Hey, welcome to the prison wallets. Usually it's me, Keith, and my co-host Ray. But today is a solo episode. Today it's just Keith tromping through the winter frozen woods. Because I got a little walk to take. And it's minus 22 degrees Celsius today. I looked that up so that our American friends can know just how fucking cold it is. That's like minus seven, minus eight, somewhere around there on the Fahrenheit scale. I am bundled up with a million layers of clothes and it's cold as fuck. So I thought to get my mind off of this insane coldness, I'd just do a little podcast to help pass the time. And the topic I kind of had on my mind is movies that I like that nobody else likes. I thought of five movies that people just fucking hate and that I don't quite understand why. And I don't mean just like divisive movies, like uh, I think of like Event Horizon as a good example. I love that movie, but Ray doesn't like it at all. And that's very understandable, you know, Event Horizon is like a B movie. It's pretty corny, it's pretty silly. And I think it helps a lot to have seen it at the time, you know, when I saw it in the 90s, I thought it was rad. So that's kind of what's imprinted in my brain. And now I still think it's rad. Whereas Ray saw it recently and was like, oh, come on, guy, this fucking movie sucks. But that's not what I mean for this list because Event Horizon's like a 50-50, you know? A lot of people think it sucks, but a lot of people do like it. I'm talking movies that just, from what I can tell, from what I've seen, nobody seems to like. But I like. So in no particular order, let's start with Terminator Salvation. So Terminator Salvation is the fourth Terminator movie. It's the one that takes place after Judgment Day. (laughs) You know, I'm hearing a lot of weird background noises. Obviously you can hear the sound of my feet in the snow, but there's a lot of weird creaking and cracking in the background. And I think it's literally just like wood splitting from the cold or like trees creaking from the cold. This shit is insane. But anyway, Terminator Salvation, Judgment Day's happened, the world's fucked. It's John Connor and the Resistance fighting the Terminators. And I think the most famous thing about this movie is it was the movie that Christian Bale was filming when that guy walked in front of his sightline when they were filming and he's just like, oh, oh, good for you. You're a nice guy, but you and I are finished professionally and all that shit. That's all anyone really remembers about this movie. But I just remember the reception being incredibly negative. Everyone thought this movie sucked. And I went and saw it with my friend Matt. And I just remember as we left the theater, we were just like, what was the big problem? (laughs) You know, what was wrong with that movie? That movie seemed cool. And I guess I can't, I can't really defend the movie itself because the movie, it's just, you know, it's, I guess it's just average. But I really had no problem with it. I mean, I'd watch it again right now. It's like, yeah, fuck it. Machines fighting humans in the post-apocalypse. You know, it's fucking... I guess maybe this is saying something about me because maybe it kind of falls into that Event Horizon screamers kind of territory where maybe it is kind of a shit movie, but like a fun movie, a fun to watch movie. 
So maybe I can't defend Terminator Salvation necessarily, but I think when you look at the other Terminator movies, I think it's time to recontextualize Terminator Salvation. So obviously, Terminator 1 and 2 are the best. I think Terminator 2 is the best, but you can make an argument for Terminator 1. The fact that you can make that argument, it's like, man, yeah, Terminator 1's pretty fucking good. And then Terminator 2 is insane. You know, the rare case of the sequel being better. And then after that, oh, man. Well, just to jump to the end, so there was Terminator Genesis that you could just tell right away was a total piece of shit. And I only watched half of that movie. It was so bad. Like, that's one of those, like, straight-to-DVD, you buy it at the gas station, movies that star DMX. That's what it felt like. It was just shit to such a, just a fundamental level. Like, it just wasn't even competently made. That movie's pathetic. Then the one after that, Terminator Dark Fate, you know, they kind of got James Cameron back into the loop to some degree. Linda Hamilton was in it. But same thing, I still only watched half of it and I just fell off because I'm just like, what the fuck, what is this shit? I'm so fucking sick of these goddamn Terminator movies. This shit sucks. It's a lot better than Genesis, but it's fucking shit. So then I was like, all right, how about Terminator 3? Because I remember Terminator 3 was not well received, but I also kind of liked it at the time just because at the time Terminator was not overdone yet. And it was just so exciting to see a new Terminator movie that I was willing to overlook all of its problems, which were mainly that it was very, very silly. So I found a fan edit called Terminator 3 The Coming Storm, where some fans edited out 26 minutes of goofy, useless nonsense out of Terminator 3. And I mean, I think that alone speaks to what a fucking misstep Terminator 3 was. The fact that you can edit out 26 minutes of dopey jokes and dumb nonsense is... That's fucking crazy. That is a lot of shit to edit out. And frankly, I think they could have edited out another five minutes or so. But you can't. You literally can't. Some of it needs to be in there for the plot to even make sense. And like, what a weird choice. Why did they decide to make Terminator 3 a comedy? So weird. And some of it's legitimately funny. Like, there's a, uh, a deleted scene where this was too far even for them. Where they show the people working on the future Terminators. And the guy's like, alright, it's coming along well. But can we do something about the accent? Like, why does he have that accent? And then they cut to the scientist working on the Terminator, and he has Arnold's exact accent, and he's like, I'll see what I can do. And it's like, ah, okay, that's kind of funny, but that's an SNL sketch. That doesn't go in the movie. And yeah, I mean, they were smart enough to take that one out. But that movie's full of dopey shit. But what I do respect about Terminator 3 is that Judgment Day happened. They realized they couldn't keep pushing this thing forever. At the end of the movie, Judgment Day has been delayed, but it happens. And I remember really liking that. But I think that also applies to why I like Terminator Salvation, because that was the very end of Terminator 3. Like, movie's over. I like that ending. But the payoff to that ending is Terminator Salvation. It's like, all right, let's stop 
running on this endless treadmill. Let's stop just doing these sending terminators back in time over and over and over. It's done. Judgment day is here. And then salvation is, here it is. Here's the judgment day world. Where a huge problem with terminators five and six, even just to say that, that there are a terminator five and six, brutal. But it's because, let's just keep running on the same hamster wheel. Let's just send more terminators back in time. Blah, blah, blah. So that's my defense of Terminator Salvation. Maybe it's not the best movie, but it's really not a bad movie. And just by process of elimination, it is the third best Terminator movie. Fucking like it or not, you know, you got Terminator 1 and 2, and then you got Terminator Salvation is the next most valuable entry in the series. So that's all I'm saying, I guess, is uh, if you uh, are ever talking to somebody about Terminator movies and your knee-jerk response is that Terminator Salvation sucks, eh, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't suck quite so much. So there's my first entry in the list. Now let's get controversial right away. Next entry for movies I liked that nobody else liked, World of Warcraft. So again, I'm gonna have to explain. There's extenuating circumstances to this opinion. So World of Warcraft, this movie finally came out after years and years and years of uh, it being discussed. And I am not a World of Warcraft player. I never have played World of Warcraft. I was roommates with a World of Warcraft addict for a while. If anything, I have somewhat of a negative opinion of that game, you know? It's, uh, there's like two kinds of uh, video games as far as being compelling. There's the kinds like Portal, say, where it's a puzzle. It's something you have to figure out. And when you're rewarded, you really did do something. You actually did figure something out. You, you know, maybe it's too much to say you got smarter, but you can't just fudge your way through. You really have to engage with a game like Portal and think about it and then you're rewarded. Whereas games like World of Warcraft, that's, to use the hamster analogy again, that's the hamster pellet. That's just, let's just feed you dopamine hits. Let's just fucking keep you invested and it's not in a positive way. You're not growing as a person. You're just being fed a little drug would be my reductive take on games like World of Warcraft. So I give no fucks about World of Warcraft, and I think that was people's main problem with it, is that it did not deal with the full scope of the World of Warcraft world. There are all kinds of different races and lore and all this stuff going on in World of Warcraft that this movie did not deal with because it was trying to get a general audience on board with the concept. You can't just throw people in the deep end or only the World of Warcraft nerds will understand what's going on. So they took it all the way back. For 99% of this movie, it's just the orcs versus the humans. And the human side was pretty bad, it's pretty shit. But the orc side was surprisingly moving. Like when you see, because the orcs are the bad guys, they're the hordes, right? They're the evil side. But when you see their actual society and like, you know, just the same shit everybody has to do, but looking after your kids and defending your fucking village and whatever, it was surprisingly engaging. I'm like, man, these orcs are pretty cool. <laughs> I like these, these fucking guys. So again, I guess I'm picking and choosing. It's like, okay, 
As a World of Warcraft movie, this sucks. The human part of this movie sucks. I only really like the orc side. So maybe I'm ignoring a lot of problems to, you know, consider this movie good. But I had heard nothing good about it, and I had no investment, and I expected it to be so shitty that the fact that it was like a third good, I guess, was way more than I expected. And I legitimately thought that third was like, good, <laughs> I liked it. And what I liked even more, looking at how this movie turned out, the only reason this movie got made is because World of Warcraft is so famous. But before World of Warcraft, the game was just called Warcraft, Orcs vs. Humans. And I used to play Warcraft 1 and 2 when I was a kid, on like the computers at my parents' office. And it was when like CD-based games were, were brand new. So it was so cool to see little cutscenes between levels, and they'd be really short. Like 20 second little video of like an orc ballista firing at a, a human castle or something. And it just seemed like the best thing in the world. I have very fond memories of those old games. But they would never have made a Warcraft movie, not in a million years. It was just this bizarre confluence of factors that they wanted to make a World of Warcraft movie, but they considered the World of Warcraft world too complicated, so they went back to just orcs versus humans. And then by accident, by happenstance, they made a hundred million dollar Warcraft movie. <laughs> you know, Warcraft from 1991 or whenever the fuck that came out. They made a huge big budget movie that's in theaters about that. And when you look at it that way, that is so fucking cool. That is so weird. If I had told myself when I was a little kid, hey, someday you're gonna go to the theater and you're gonna see this as a big ass movie. I'd be like, no, I won't. What are you talking about? Why would that happen? But that happened. And I think maybe that's the trick to uh, enjoying movies that other people don't like is you gotta look for those angles. You gotta find the reasons why it's neat. So yeah, again, I guess if you're just looking for a World of Warcraft movie, yeah, I can understand why you were disappointed. But if, for some reason, I certainly can't recommend that you go back and watch fucking World of Warcraft again, if you ever saw it at all. But if you ever do, try to look at it that way. Look at it through the lens of like, man, there is no reason for this movie to exist. This makes no sense. But this is a fucking Warcraft 1 movie. What the fuck? <laughs> and like I said, the orc half of it is like surprisingly kind of good. And that's my bizarre contorted pretzel defense of the World of Warcraft movie. Now, even more contentious still, third movie on my list, the Death Note live-action movie that was released on Netflix. I wanted to do a full commentary of this with Ray, but with Corona and stuff, haven't been to Toronto lately, we never got around to it, so maybe we still will sometime. I thought it might be interesting because uh, he doesn't know Death Note at all. So to get like an outside opinion would be interesting. Because this movie was so hated by all anime fans, as pretty much every live action 
adaptation of anime is. But this one was fantastically hated. And there are some things about it I definitely don't like. But again, allow me to explain. First off, I guess what I can definitely agree is bad are the music. It just had the weirdest, shittest music. The music had this weird 80s love ballad vibe for some reason. The most inappropriate music possible for Death Note. That's weird. I don't know what that was all about. And the main dude who played Light, the main character, he overacts a lot. Like when he has to freak out because he sees someone's head get fucking exploded, he really freaks out. <laughs> but not in a way that feels like a person panicking. Just like a a guy overacting. But those are two things I would definitely have changed. Fix the music, fix the overacting. But beyond that, the Death Note live-action movie was definitely different from the anime, but there was so much about it that I liked. Visually, it was cool. Willem Dafoe was very cool. And the girl. I don't remember that character's name. But she was so fucking cool in that movie. And I think she's a great example of, like, how hard it is to adapt anime. Because anime characters, you're not going to like this if you're an anime fan, but this is the hard truth. Anime characters are shit. They don't act like human beings. They only work within the context of anime. Once you go to live action, you cannot have characters act like their anime counterparts because anime characters don't act like human beings. Not even a little. Anime is 100% trope and 0% real human experience. <laughs> that's just how it fucking is. And everyone's used to it because that's what anime does. But when you make a live action version, you gotta change it. You have to. And Death Note is certainly no different. People are like, oh, the main guy Light, he's not like in the anime. In the anime, he's such a cool, calm, collected super genius. And the detective who he's button heads with is such a cool, calm, collected super genius. And meanwhile, this chick that he hangs out with is like this gothic bubblehead who, like I said, is not even 1% like a human being is not at all like a real person. It's just this stupid fucking character that only fits in an anime. So to be upset that the Death Note live action is not like the anime, you really think that's possible? You really think that's a thing that can happen? That cannot happen. You cannot put these characters in live action because they aren't human. They're anime archetypes. They're tropes. They're walking tropes. And the detective guy, I thought that was an alright twist. Maybe the main dude, you know, if I was going to criticize any of them, I didn't think it was so bad, but he really is quite different from his anime counterpart. Maybe that is a little annoying. But the girl, oh man, they did such a good job. Where instead of this just nonsense character that she was in the anime, she really does feel like, alright, here's this girl he meets at school, who's maybe a little out of his league, but then when she learns he has this death note and he has this power to kill people, you learn what a fucking weirdo she is and all of the weird problems going on under her brain. 
and her hooking up with him and wanting to be a part of this whole situation, I just thought she was killer. She was so good. I don't know that actress's name, but I haven't really seen her in very much other stuff. And I was so surprised because I'm like, man, if anyone's going to break out from this, it's got to be her. She is so good in this. And again, I guess I'm just like picking and choosing, right? I'm just finding the slice. Like, again, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe the only part I actually really liked was this one character. But this one character was so good. Like, there's no other character like that in anything else, up to and including the anime. The character in the anime is garbage. The character in this live action one is excellent. That's worth points to me. That's worth, <laughs> that's, that's good. That makes it worthwhile that this thing exists. And just to get on the tits of anime fans a little more, I'd also like to point out that Death Note was a two-season anime. And season one was really good. It's an excellent anime. It's especially neat because it's always like one step ahead of you. Instead of dragging out its plot, it's always like pushing forward. And you're like, holy shit, this situation is escalating so fast. This is getting so crazy. This is fucking exciting. I should say, if you don't know Death Note, by the way, this death god gives a kid this book where if he pictures someone in his mind and writes their name, they will die. And on top of that, he can write how they're gonna die. And he starts using it to rid the world. It gets so big so fast, he decides he wants to rid the world of crime. So anytime they show a criminal on TV, he sees their face, he writes down their name, and they all just start dying. And it changes the whole world. And it's really cool for season one. Then for season two, it took me multiple tries to get through it. Because it can't keep up that pace. And it gets so, 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 so bad. So like, I'd say that too about, about the live action movie. Season one of the anime is, yeah, way, way better than the Netflix movie, no question. A million times better. But, I think the Netflix movie is better than season two of the anime because I did not like season two of the anime at all. It did everything season one didn't do in the sense that it just padded out things and dragged out storylines and clearly didn't know where it was going. So the fact that this Netflix Death Note movie falls in the middle, worse than season one but better than season two, I think that deserves a lot more respect than it gets. Again, yeah, okay, sure, maybe it's a shitty movie, but there's stuff in it that is very cool. Man, this is working. <laughs> this is really keeping my mind off the cold. Thank God it's not windy. That would be, I would just go back home if it was windy. Today it's like cold, but as long as there's no wind, you don't notice that you're slowly dying <laughs> and that parts of your body are shutting down one at a time. But all right, two more to go. Uh, number four, I don't have a ton to say about it, but just Freddy got fingered. Maybe it's because I'm Canadian and we knew about Tom Green a couple of years before he was on MTV. He just had this late night comedy show in Canada. And, uh, you know, he's our boy. Everybody watched it. He was very famous in Canada. I remember like I ordered, he, uh, he used to put out albums. He had this album called MC Face. And I ordered it from him, you know? Like, you get the envelope with your address written by Tom Green. <laughs> like, he was, our, he was our dude. And then he went to MTV and became a big star for a little while. 
So maybe I just have a softer spot for Tom Green than others. And obviously comedy is very subjective. Who can say, you know, what, what someone finds funny? But man, people hated Freddy Got Fingered so much. And I could not have felt more different. I laughed my fucking dick off at that movie. The fucking day it came out on DVD, I went and bought it. I mean, there's a scene in that movie where he's helping deliver what appears to be a stillborn baby. And he swings it over his head by the umbilical cord, spraying fucking blood and gunk all over everyone. And that wakes up the baby and he saves the baby's life. That is so fucking insane. That has never happened before and will never happen again. <laughs> you know? And he said that, you know, it's like an anti-comedy. It's like he could not believe he had reached this point in his life where they gave him that kind of money to make a big budget movie and he was just gonna say fuck you to the world and just make this fucked up movie. But in the process of doing that, I thought it really was funny. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? Like, I just feel like, and like, nobody likes that movie. A couple of my friends like that movie, but some of my other friends hate that movie. And there was like a little while, I felt like there was a slight resurgence for a little while where people were like, yeah, maybe we were too hard on Freddy Got Fingered, but that didn't last. And now everybody's back to just like, nah, fuck that movie. And I just don't understand it. Like when you see these lists of the greatest comedies of all time, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how to say this without being a dick, so I guess I'll just be a dick. They're not as funny as Freddy Got Fingered. Or they're not as engaging, maybe I should put it that way. Like, a lot of North American comedies I find are just very... There's just not enough jokes, and the jokes... I do kind of think engaging is the right way to say. Like, it seems like a weird way to gauge comedy, to call it, is it engaging or not? You're supposed to just say, is it funny or not? But there's a lot of downtime in North American comedies, you know? There's a lot of just plot and boring shit happening. Whereas in Freddy Got Fingered, he builds a skate ramp in his backyard and his friend fucking bails and breaks his leg and the bone is sticking out of his leg. And Tom's dad, Rip Torn, is yelling at him like, what are you fucking kids doing out there? I told you to be careful. And Tom, there's this whole underlying thing where it's, it's Tom's dad in the movie that is making him insane. Like things don't get truly insane until his dad shows up. And every time his dad criticizes him, he goes overdrive with it. And he starts like licking his friend's bone. This bone is <laughs> extruding from the fucking flesh and spurting blood and Tom's just licking it. Like, huh? You like that, Dad? Huh? That movie is fucking, again, like, you lean forward when you're watching that movie. You're like, what is happening now? What? Fucking awesome. Freddy Got Fingered. Again, next time, like, it's just this, like, it's like this stuff just gets into the air. Just everybody's just breathed in some particles that just said Freddy Got Fingered sucks and everyone just agrees yeah Freddy Got Fingered sucks and nobody thinks about it again they just spend the next 20 years talking about how it sucks next time you see that movie just try to ignore the mass subconscious don't pay attention to that follow your heart think about your your true feelings 
And you'll realize Freddy got fingered is really fucking funny. Sorry if this is a bit uh, obnoxious, by the way. <laughs> I think this is helping to keep me alive out here in this fucking, it's like I'm on the goddamn moon. I gotta rile up my blood, keep things fucking, keep me hot, keep me from freezing to death. But okay, last one, number five on my list. And number five is Spider-Man 3 of the Sam Raimi trilogy. Now again, it's like I'm slicing out the parts that I like, I guess. It's like, say, say there was a pie. And it's like this, the most delicious pie ever. But there's a piece of shit right on it. <laughs> you know? And all you gotta do is cut away the part with the piece of shit. You could cut half of that pie, just cut it, not only half, say, take like a third for yourself, the third of the pie that's the farthest from the shit, and throw away the rest, and you have a perfectly fine piece of pie. But I also understand why, to some people, you don't want to eat that pie at all. If there's been any shit anywhere near your pie, you throw away the whole pie. I get it. That's a fair way to live and probably a better way to live. But I'm willing to throw away two-thirds of the shit pie if the one-third that's left is great. And I have extenuating circumstances for this one. You know, when Spider-Man 1 came out, I was a big Sam Raimi fan. I mean, the Evil Dead alone, Army of Darkness, you know, that guy, he's an all-timer. And superhero movies at the time were generally not so good. Even like X-Men, I thought it was pretty good, but a lot of people I knew were still not quite on board. Spider-Man really was the beginning of the modern age of superhero movies that then really kicked into gear once Iron Man came out. But Spider-Man was pretty fucking good. Everyone was quite surprised because there was a lot of talk in the mid-90s about James Cameron making a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> and it's just like, yikes, we were not ready. It would have been bad. But Spider-Man pretty decent. Then Spider-Man 2 came out and everyone loved it. And maybe this is a difference of like where I was coming from a different angle. I did not quite understand because Spider-Man 2 Granted, it's, it's good. You could probably argue it's better than the first one. But it, to me, it felt the same. It's like, just take out Green Goblin and put in Doc Ock, which already, I'm not as interested. I like Green Goblin better. I like Willem Dafoe better. So you've swapped in a worse villain. But it's the exact same plot. A science mentor of Peter Parker learns that he's Spider-Man, and hijinks ensue. And if you've just made a better version of the previous movie, I mean, <laughs> now that I think about it, that is kind of Sam Raimi's thing, right? Evil Dead 2 was just a second bite at the apple of Evil Dead 1, and that's exactly what Spider-Man 2 was. It's just, again, I guess to me, not engaging, because I'm like, what? What am I watching this for? Why does everyone love this so much? We already saw this fucking movie. We already saw it. We're just seeing it again. So I could like intellectually recognize like, yeah, I guess Spider-Man 2 is better, but I didn't feel it. In my soul and in my heart, I felt nothing. I'm like, whatever. Okay. Then Spider-Man 3 came out. And I think the difference with that movie is I was in a very lucky position where I, at that point, had become a film projectionist. 
Back when film projectionist was still a job, I was one of the very last people to get that job when movies still came on little reels and you had to splice them all together onto a huge reel and you had to thread it through a projector. And I loved it. It was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. I did that for a couple of years. And one of the movies that was playing while I had that job was Spider-Man 3. And part of the job, you know, was just to go make sure periodically that nothing was going wrong with the movie. And a lot of movies, you know, they're just very boring. There's not a lot going on. I remember around that same time, I remember like the first Transformers movie was one of the ones that I dealt with. And I never even watched the whole thing, you know? Even though I could watch it for free, I could literally get paid to watch that movie and I never finished it. It's just boring. Spider-Man 3 was not boring, you know? The two movies I remember in that sense were Spider-Man 3 and Crank. Those two movies, if you have five minutes in your day to just go pop your head in a theater and watch, something amazing is gonna be happening, you know? Especially Crank, but even Spider-Man 3, the only parts of Spider-Man 3 that were boring were the Mary Jane parts. Because again, those were just a retread. We've already been down this road, they've already gotten together and broken up and gotten together and broken up, and now they're doing it again, who gives a shit? But other than that, everything else about Spider-Man 3, yeah, okay, it was bad. Yeah, okay, it was shit. But it was so fucking entertaining, dude. Fucking Topher Grace as Venom? What a bad choice. I love Topher Grace, but what a bad choice. If the Mary Jane stuff wasn't enough, throw in Gwen Stacy, why not? All that stuff with uh, James Franco and the Green Goblin? Ah, let's cram that shit in there. Oh what, that's not enough characters? The Sandman! And the Sandman is the only part I can legitimately defend. I truly love the Sandman stuff. Two scenes in particular. His origin scene, where they just slowly show the sentient sand coming together and forming itself into a person. And like he kind of forms a hand and he tries to pick something up, but his fingers just crumble. And he slowly wills himself to become a being. I haven't seen it in a while. I bet the CGI doesn't hold up anymore, but that was amazing. And then at the end of the movie, I mean, again, that movie was just way too busy. It was the crank of superhero movies. The idea that the Sandman was the fucking crook that killed Uncle Ben, unnecessary, you know? I hate when everything is tied together so much. It just makes the world feel small. But the idea that this guy was not necessarily a bad guy was cool, and that on top of that, Spider-Man could not beat him. What can you do to sentient sand? Nothing. The best Spider-Man can do is make an uneasy peace with this guy and let him just blow away into the wind. That scene is fucking beautiful. It literally would bring a tear to my eye even after I saw it 10 times. And like, that's the thing is like, Spider-Man 3 is fucking stupid, right? Okay, emo fucking Peter Parker doing his dumb dance that's a meme to this day. Topher Grace trying to be Venom and oh no, the sound of the fucking reverberating clangs in the fucking bell tower is, makes the symbiote suit fly off of him and like, what a load of shit, <laughs> right? But that scene at the end, the Sandman's exit, there is nothing 
in Spider-Man 1 or 2 that was moving in the way that that was. To me, of the Sam Raimi trilogy, that's the, the peak. Like, that's the best point in those movies, even though it happened in the dumbest one. Because that's just how it goes sometimes. Sometimes you gotta, to find the fucking most delectable, best slice of pie, it might be in the shit pie. That's just how it is. Oh yeah, and something, uh, something important to point out about Spider-Man 3 that actually, this might be applicable to all these movies, I guess, really, is, I guess to me it's like, I mean, calling a movie good or bad is a little, I mean, it's so subjective, right? How do you fucking decide that? It might be better to say, like, is this movie being true to what it's meant to be? Which, what I mean by that, like, in the case of Spider-Man 3, it is silly. It is, it is a dumb movie. And you could argue that that's a problem because Spider-Man 1 and 2 were not silly and dumb movies, and Spider-Man 3 clearly is. I mean, the dancing, it's, it's a fucking dumb movie. But why I can give it a pass for that, and why I kind of enjoy that, is because I think Spider-Man 3, the movie, is very open about the fact that it's a farce. Like, this was not an accident. And the scene that kind of keyed me into that was the scene right before the Sandman's origin, where he's escaping through this scientific research facility and he falls into a big sand pit where they're doing these experiments, which is like so silly. Like, how did he get in here? What even is this? What is going on? Why is there a sand pit research facility right here? You know, it's dumb. But the movie couldn't be more clear that it knows this is dumb because when they cut to the scientists inside the facility, it's a bunch of like really hot ladies and their little clipboards and their lab coats. And then the, the main science dude is like, oh, what's going on? Did somebody fall in the pit? Bah, it's probably just a bird, whatever. <laughs> you know, and the scene is so, and the scene is so openly unreal. Like, what is this place? What is happening? And why is it staffed by supermodels? Like, to me, this, is this, this movie has like a bullhorn, and it's screaming at you, this is dumb. If I had to guess what is going on, like, I don't know, maybe it's... Because it's uh, pretty well known that the studio really fucked with that movie. Venom wasn't supposed to be in it, it was supposed to be the Vulture. Sam Raimi had all these plans, and the studio was like, nah, nah, nah. Too many cooks, we're gonna get in here and we're gonna ruin this. So maybe Sam Raimi at some point was like, alright, you wanna make my movie shit? then my movie's gonna be shit. Here you go. Here's your super expensive shit. So to me, that's, that's kind of great, <laughs> you know? When a movie is super expensive garbage, but the movie itself is like, hey, if you're paying attention, we'll give you a wink. We agree with you. This sucks. This is dumb, <laughs> you know? That's where it's the big points to me. To me, that's very interesting, and I think that is important to recognize about Spider-Man 3. It knows what it is. It knows what's going on here. I, I only wish everyone could have had the experience I had. If only everyone could have been a projectionist 
whose job it was to poke your head in many times a day for many weeks to make sure that Spider-Man 3 was playing okay. And you're just like, holy fuck. Every time I poke my head into this movie, something entertaining is happening. Maybe the audience is not happy. Maybe everyone's sitting there with their arms crossed going, this sucks. Why did I pay fucking money to come see this shitty movie? But for the projectionist, who all I had to do was watch boring movies all fucking day every day, Spider-Man 3 was a goddamn godsend. That movie was crazy. And I love it, so fuck you. Oh. <laughs> Alright, that's enough. Let's wrap this up. I'm almost ready to leave these woods and get back indoors. I really should have... <laughs> I really should have waited and done all my dumb little errands tomorrow. Where it will almost certainly be warmer than this. But it's too late now and at least we got a rambling fucking silly ass podcast out of it. So, thank you for listening. Thanks very much to everyone who has subscribed to us on the podcast feed and on YouTube. Everyone has been very kind about our slow release schedule. But it's interesting, we've kind of, it's almost like negative reinforcement where, uh, you know, before Corona we were really trucking along and trying to put out a lot of episodes. And then once the world shut down and me and Ray were stuck in different cities, we're like, all right, let's slow down. No big hurry now that the world is all frozen. And the weird thing is our show has actually grown more during this time, like a lot more. Like, you know, they always say consistent, frequent uploads are important. And maybe that's true. Maybe that would work. But I think the secret that no one tells you is that the other way can work also. If you just sort of hang out and just gradually put out episodes and give people time to sort of discover what you're doing, that can also work. So, uh, hey man, don't break your back just because it's what everyone tells you you have to do. Sometimes going slow can also work. So uh, we will probably continue to be quite a slow podcast for the foreseeable future. But next episode, I believe as a commentary, back to the classic format. We will see you then. Prison Wallets on YouTube. KeithCourage.com slash prison. And hey, if by some wild miracle, if you're one of the other extremely rare people that enjoyed one of these movies that I also enjoyed, that everyone else hates, I hope this was a maybe a little catharsis, that someone out there is staring at the same horizon as you. Someone out there has taste in movies that is just as shit as yours is. <laughs> All right. Keith from Canada, 90% frozen and almost dead, signing off.